from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder in the wake of the news toward the end of the week here in the United States, where we still care about, some of us still care about this stuff, that Natalia, I don't have her name in front of me, so I'm not going to try to murder it, but the uh, Russian attorney who met with Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, some others in the uh, Trump Tower in, I think, June of 2016, uh, a meeting that is still being investigated by the uh, Robert Mueller investigation. Natalia, I'm going to call her by her first name because I can pronounce that, uh, was quoted by the New York Times and NBC this week as saying she was a Russian informant. And, And this contradicted her earlier assertion that she was an independent attorney. Which, in turn, and this is the part that wasn't reported widely this week, contradicted the email that started all this from a guy we never hear from. As far as I know, he's never been called to uh, testify before any of the investigations. As far as I know, he's living quietly in Thailand. Rob Goldstone, former music industry publicist. You know you can trust them. And he had said in his original email to Donald Trump Jr. inviting him to this meeting that it would be with, quote, a Russian government attorney, unquote. So it's big news when she says this week that she's affiliated with the Russian government, you see. And now this would be, normally you'd say this is, this is coming from some left-wing anti-war website. Au contraire, mon frère. This is from Defense News, because I'm going to read the trades for you. Defense industry needs 5% annual budget growth to stay healthy, says New Report. See what I mean? The American defense industrial base needs Pentagon budgets to grow at least 5% per year to remain healthy and stable. That's in a report released this week by the industry's leading trade group, the Aerospace Industries Association. The report blames Budget Control Act cuts and Congress's repeated deferral to continuing resolutions for a steep drop in the market's number of Prime vendors. Those are good eating. It's unclear exactly how smaller suppliers have been impacted, but, quote, the detrimental impact of budget cuts have been felt, have been felt, throughout the supply chain, the report reads ungrammatically. Recent years marked by brief government shutdowns and lengthy continuing resolutions have yielded waste, disrupted major programs at key milestones, and driven inefficient spending practices in the Department of Defense by forcing it to spend money faster, the report argues. That hurt the industrial base. Quote, we can fix whatever acquisition problems we see, but if we don't have stable, robust, balanced spending, our free market economy will not be able to respond to DOD's needs in a timely, effective way. That's from John Luddy. AIA's Vice President for National Security Policy, talking to Defense News. He adds, It doesn't all boil down to money. 
but it starts with that. AIA represents more than 340 major aerospace and defense companies and their suppliers. AIA's recommendations for a robust defense industrial base cover stable congressional appropriations, streamlined military acquisitions, targeted technological investments, and a skilled workforce. Yeah, that would be nice. A two-year budget deal contained a big boost for national defense, $629 billion for 2018 and $647 billion for 2019, but AIA remains cagey. Budget Control Act caps for 2021 and 2020 remain in place at only $576 billion and $591 billion. Budget austerity and cost-based acquisition policies have left the defense industry feeling squeezed and served to restrict the competitiveness of the supply base, crowd out and tie up resources for investment in R&D personnel and facilities in government and industry, and discourage new entrants and independently funded technologies from being offered to the Department of Defense. As DOD officials seek an edge in new technologies, offensive and defensive cyber, hypersonics and access to trusted microelectronics, AIA points to Russia's efforts to dominate in electronic warfare and China's efforts to dominate in semiconductors and other technologies. The report also takes aim at the department's contract audit regime, which it regards as punitive and a hindrance to speedy purchasing. Listeners with long memories may recall on this program a senator, I forget who it is, I, my memory isn't that good, who said recently, I think it was a Republican, may have been Charles Grassley, I don't know, that Pentagon finances are so complex, a long, a, a congressional audit of the Pentagon, which has been mandated for years, probably will never happen. How punitive is that? A question that occurs to me when I read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of Hello, Welcome to the Show. Better than cream cheese and bagels. Better than honey on bread. Better than champagne and pretzels. Better than breakfast in bed. Better than chili, brillianos, better than chocolate eclairs, better than hot house tomatoes, better than fresh Bartlett pears, better than dining a la carte, or sampling gastronomic art, better than anything except being in love. Better than making a million, better than being a king, better than oil wells and gold mines, better than pastures of green, better than finding a horseshoe, better than losing your head, better than anything ever thought of, better than anything ever said, better than singing right out loud, or being spotted in a crowd, better than anything except being in love.
dancing is better than clowns on parade. Better than peanuts, popcorn. Better than pink lemonade. Better than rides on the midway. Better than seals blowing horns. Better than men shot from cannons. Better than fresh ears of corn. Better than balancing on the wire. Are watching tigers jump through fire. Better. Watching fireflies after dark, better than anything except being in love. Spending a few minutes this week remembering the great jazz song artistry of the late Bob Duro. And from the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, news of the godly. A sex abuse survivor has told how she didn't know whether having her private parts touched were part of the sacrament of confession. After a priest abused her while hearing her first confession at a school in County Cork, Ireland, the survivor, now a woman in her 50s, told police how she was abused when she was six years old by serial abuser Father John Calnan as he heard her first confession. Calnan, now 79, from West Cork, ordained in 64, but out of the ministry since 92, and now living on Roman Street in Cork, look him up, was given an 18-month suspended prison sentence at the uh, criminal court in Cork for the abuse of three girls between 1974 and 1978. The policeman who who investigated the complaints from the three women told how Calnan abused the girls who were aged between 6 and 12 by uh, digitally fiddling with them while hearing their confessions at various locations in the Diocese of Cork and Ross. The uh, police officer told how when he interviewed Calnan while he was serving a prison sentence during which he admitted the abuse and accepted the accounts given to police by the three women of how they had been abused by him as children, he, the the, uh, priest, had been sentenced to eight years in jail with three years suspended, In 2012, for the attempted rape of one girl, three counts of indecent assault on the same girl, and one count of indecent assault on a boy in the 1970s. That's small c Catholic. Girls and boys. He had been convicted twice in 2015, and once earlier this year, of indecent assault on three other girls, for which he received suspended sentences. In a victim impact statement, the woman abused while making her first confession told how she was afraid to tell her parents at the time of the abuse because Calnan was such a respected figure and she still had not told them as it would kill them to know what he had done to her. Meanwhile, in Canada, a jury has awarded $500,000 Canadian in punitive damages against a Roman Catholic religious order over a priest's abuse of a schoolboy, accusing it of betraying the community's trust that is to say the order, by covering up abuse and moving a serial predator along to new posts. We've never heard of that protocol before, have we? The case, according to the lawyer who represented the victim, represents the largest punitive award by a civil jury in a sexual abuse case against the Catholic Church in Canada. It set a record in Canada. Overall, the jury award in the Ontario Superior Court amounted to $2.5 million, which includes money for lost wages, suffering, and lost enjoyment of life. 
Can I sue somebody for that? Man, I got a list. Punitive damages are reserved for particularly egregious conduct in Canada. Evidence showed that William Hodgson Marshall, member of the Basilian Fathers, a Catholic order of priests, not Brazilian, Basilian, serially abused the victim 50 times between 1963 and 1967, while the victim was a student at a high school in Sudbury, Ontario, and Mr. Marshall was a priest and gym teacher. That's a toxic combination, if ever I heard one. Marshall, the uh, priest and gym teacher, admitted to the church he had between 58 and 87 victims over three decades, according to evidence presented during the trial. The order had received several complaints of abuse about him. He was sentenced to two years in jail in 2011 for indecent assault of 16 children and one woman. He died at age 92. In 2014, there have been at least 17 lawsuits, most of which have been settled out of court. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, let us P-R-E-Y. And now... One in eight bird species is threatened with global extinction. Once widespread creatures such as the puffin, snowy owl, and turtle dove are plummeting towards oblivion, according to the definitive study of global bird populations. The State of the World's Birds, a five-year compendium of population data from the best-studied group of animals on the planet, aside from uh, actors, reveals a biodiversity crisis driven by the expansion and intensification of agriculture. In all, 74% of nearly 1,500 globally threatened birds are affected primarily by farming, while logging, invasive species, and hunting are the other main threats. Each time we undertake this assessment, we see slightly more species at risk of extinction. The situation is deteriorating. The trends are intensifying says Tris Allenson, Senior Global Science Officer for BirdLife International, which produced the report. This uh, account of that report is from The Guardian. Just a sense of what you're not going to hear. The species at risk of extinction were once on mountaintops or remote islands, such as the pink pigeon in Mauritius. Now we're seeing once widespread and familiar species under threat of global extinction. According to the report, at least 40% of bird species worldwide are in decline. The researchers blame human activity for the losses. It's the people versus the birds. Win or go extinct. After farming, logging is a key factor in declines of 50% of the most globally endangered species, followed by invasive species hunting and trapping climate change and residential and commercial development. The illegal killing of birds, usually because of traditional hunting, results in an estimated 12 to 38 million individual birds dying or being taken each year in the Mediterranean region alone. Yes, there's parts of Italy where they eat protected birds in the middle of a bird sanctuary. I can tell you about it. One victim of illegal hunting is the yellow-breasted bunting The report warns it could repeat the cautionary tale of the passenger pigeon, once a common bird across North America, before being rapidly driven to extinction in 1914. That's some griving. The yellow-breasted bunting was one of the most widespread birds across Europe and Asia. Its population has declined by 90% since 1980. Its range has contracted by 5,000 kilometers. It is a Chinese delicacy, you see. 
Overfishing and climate change is affecting seabird species, particularly the puffin and the black-legged kittiwake, which are both now considered vulnerable. The decline of the snowy owl is linked to climate change because snowmelt in the Arctic is affecting the availability of prey. The European turtle dove's rapid disappearance is caused by hunting and habitat loss through modern farming. Neonicotinoids, widely implicated in flying insect declines, they are a key source of food for birds. They've also been found to be directly detrimental to some bird species. One recent study from the U.S. found that migrating sparrows exposed to neonicotinoids lost a quarter of their body mass and fat. The neurotoxin also impaired the bird's migratory orientation. Where the... Where the... So much... But there they go. So much for the birds. Now, about the bees. I'm telling you about the birds and the bees. Speaking of neonicotinoids, they're currently the most widely used pesticides in the world. A study published in the prestigious journal Environmental Health Perspectives, I read it for the pictures, indicates there may, they may also have an impact, neonicotinoids, on human health by disrupting our hormone systems. The study indicates more work must be done on the potential in endocrine-disrupting effects of neonicotinoids. Those bees are looking mighty sexy to me right now. The Quebec government has recently decided to more strictly regulate the use of neonicotinoids, widely used by Quebec farmers to control crop pests. Very little research has been done on the effects of the drugs on human health, but uh, two researchers have been interested in the mechanisms of endocrine-disrupting chemicals and uh, found that uh, they tested the effect of neonicotinoids on the production of estrogens. By targeting aromatase, a key enzyme in the synthesis of estrogens, they were able to test the impact of three neonics on breast cancer cells, the results show an increase in aromatase expression and a, a unique change in the pattern in which aromatase was expressed, which is similar to that observed in the development of certain breast cancers. And the European Union will ban neonics from all fields due to the serious danger they pose to bees. The ban was approved by member nations this week, is expected to come into force by the end of the year. Now they can only be used in closed greenhouses. The EU banned the use of neonicotinoids on flowering crops that attract bees in 2013. But in February, a major report from the European Union's scientific risk assessors concluded that the high risk to both honeybees and wild bees resulted from any outdoor use because the pesticides, you know, just happen to contaminate soil and water is all. I guess they left the air alone. Or not. This leads to the pesticides appearing in wildflowers or succeeding crops. A recent study of honey samples revealed global contamination by neonicotinoids. So maybe that Splenda is looking better. The ban on the three main neonicotinoids has widespread public support. Yeah, but that's Europe. Pesticide manufacturers and some farming groups have accused the EU of being overly cautious and suggested crop yields could suffer, a claim rejected by others. European agriculture will suffer as a result of this decision, said the official of the European Crop Protection Association. In time, decision-makers will see the clear impact of removing a vital tool for farmers. Neonics cause a wide range of harm to individual bees, such as damaging memory... Where the hell's the hive? And reducing queen numbers. But this evidence has strengthened recently to show damage to colonies as well. 70% of the 
75%, according to other research, of all flying insects have disappeared in Germany. So you won't need that rolled-up newspaper anymore. And probably much further afield, prompting warnings of ecological Armageddon. In November, the British Environment Secretary overturned that country's previous opposition to tougher restrictions on neonics. So we're knocking off the birds and the bees. I don't know what that guy's going to be singing about next. Ladies and gentlemen, I I don't know if you saw this story, but um, the legendary Bob Dylan is uh, is not bitching about the masters of war these days. He's, uh, He's doing something else. He's coming out with his own line of whiskey. Heaven's Door is the uh, brand. And uh, he's not only endorsing it, he's a co-owner of the company. He's like Victor Kayam. He liked the the booze so much he bought the company. They're coming out with uh, three whiskeys that uh, Dylan apparently personally uh, was involved in the uh, development of the uh, the distilling process, because as he, he was quoted as saying, he wa- he sent one back because he wanted it to smell, wanted it to have the, I don't know if he said the taste or the smell, of being in a wood interior. You could just buy a cabin, but no. Joining the ranks of uh, Madonna and a lot of rappers, he becomes what, uh, in the words of the trade paper, The Hollywood Reporter, few years back when Madonna announced a vodka deal, he joined the ranks of celebrity booze endorsers. You've been selling some kind of glamour since 1986. Roughed up clothes, a coked up nose, all were in the mix. But now that you've got children... That don't seem so cool Till you got to pull some Jacksons To pay for private school In the days gone by You would've got coarser and coarser Now you're playing it smooth You're a celebrity booze Endorser So your demographics all grown up They like the finer things But a Mercedes deal's not in the cards Your DUI still clings You're too cool to push cell phones Your designs are gone from sex But you can't live on ringtones And promoting foreign snacks There's no need to shout You're tired of waking up hoarser Now you're playing it smooth You're a celebrity booze Endorser The bottles are so sexy The white goods look so clean The whole affair's been walked upstairs It's a brand new day a bold new fashion scene Oh, your face is back on billboards On the other side of town Your brand is aspirational You're an up without 
with a drinking problem can read the teeny print. But you're late for a photo shoot and they're paying you a mint. If you were a god, you know you couldn't look nor serve. Now you're playing it smooth. This will keep you in shoes. You're a celebrity booze. Endorser. Celebrity booze endorser. Hello, I'm Tom Brokaw. The allegations lodged against me this week are light and sadly ludicrous. Of course, they come long after the statute of limitations has lapsed, but in all likelihood, they lack the allure of timely corroboration. That would be a severely limiting factor in any legal process, which is probably why these claims are not being made in a court of law, but in a court of public opinion. I'm grateful for the support of many of my long-standing colleagues, unfortunately not including Matt Lauer. But ultimately you, the television viewer, will have to leap to your own conclusion. I hope that the lifelong allegiance our nightly visits build up will allow you to alleviate any illusions stimulated by these allegations and to follow them as they circulate through the internet bloodstream with an appropriate level of disbelief. And I hope you found my attempt to elevate this dialogue illuminating. I know I did. I don't have to go to bed. I got a small day. Don't have to use my head. I got a small day tomorrow. I can sleep the day away, and it won't cause too much sorrow. Not tomorrow. So tonight, this cat will play. Now all those big wheels With all their big deals They're going to need their sleep But I'm a dropout Who'd rather cop out than run With all Honey child, tonight's the night And there's a car we can borrow Till tomorrow We can swing till broad daylight Yeah, we got a
This is show, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the award-winning news of the war, won't you? Soft, listen to the war. Well, we thought here in the United States that we had the biggest dead zone at the Gulf of Mexico, but no. Again, au contraire. Same old frere. New research from the University of East Anglia has confirmed a dramatic increase, sorry, a dramatic decrease, well, one or the other, in oxygen in the Gulf of Oman, part of the Arabian Sea. The environmental disaster is worse than expected. I don't know how how worse, how bad you, th- you expected it to be, but it's, no, it's worse. The dead zone was confirmed by underwater robots called sea gliders. It's going to be Steven Seagal's next film, which were able to connect data in areas of water previously inaccessible due to piracy and or geopolitical tensions. The robots are about the same size as a small human diver, but can reach depths of a 1,000 meters and travel the ocean for months. You find me a diver who can do that, and I'll pay him minimum wage. Two gliders were deployed in the Gulf of Oman for eight months, communicating by satellite to build an underwater picture of oxygen levels. Where they expected some oxygen, they found an area larger than Scotland with almost no oxygen left. Imagine Scotland with no oxygen. What are they going to blow the the bagpipes with? That's not the question. The research was led by uh, Dr. Bastian Kest, and uh, he said dead zones are areas devoid of oxygen. In the ocean, these are also known as oxygen minimum zones. They naturally occur between 200 and 800 meters deep in some parts of the world. They are a disaster waiting to happen, made worse by climate change as warmer waters hold less oxygen and by fertilizer and sewage running off the land into the seas. He continued, the Arabian Sea is the largest and thickest dead zone in the world. But until now, no one really knew how bad the situation was. We barely have any data collected for almost half a century because of how difficult it is to send ships there. Our research shows that the situation is actually worse than feared and that the area of dead zone is vast and growing. The ocean is suffocating. He continued, uh, you know, the problem being fish, marine plants, and other animals needing oxygen, so they can't survive, neither can the humans who eat that stuff. Another problem, he says, is that when oxygen is absent, the chemical cycling of nitrogen, a key nutrient for plant growth, changes dramatically, leading to the production of nitrous oxide, which is a greenhouse gas 300 times more potent than CO2, is all. Ice mass loss in the Russian Arctic has nearly doubled over the last decade. That'll teach the Russians. That's according to Cornell University Research, published in the journal Remote Sensing of Environment. I read it from a distance. The research focused on Franz Josef Land, a glaciated Russian archipelago 
among the northernmost and most remote parcels of land on Earth. It's in the Kara and Barents Seas. Glaciers there are shrinking by area and by height. We're seeing an increase in the recent speed of ice loss when compared to the long-term ice rate, says the lead researcher. We're finding out that the ice is changing more rapidly than we previously thought. He said the temperature is changing in the Arctic faster than anywhere else in the world. I guess the Arctic is number one. It's been warming in recent decades, but glaciers across the region are responding in different ways. Glaciers in northern Canada seem to be shrinking at a faster rate than the ones in parts of northern Russia. This work takes a closer look at the Russian glaciers to uh, understand the difference in response. Why glaciers in Franz Josef Land have been shrinking more rapidly between 2011 and 2015 than in previous decades is possibly related to ocean temperature changes, according to the researchers. It's like it's all part of a system or something. For many wildlife species, sex of offspring is determined after fertilization. After fertilization, often influenced by environmental factors such as temperature. The sex of reptiles, <laughs> reptile sex, is based on temperatures in the nest while eggs incubate. Current research shows that increasing global temperatures as a result of climate change are expected to produce more female turtles since their offspring are influenced by the nest's temperature. But now a team of Virginia Tech biologists has found that the nesting environment of turtles in agricultural habitats, which have ultimately lower nesting temperatures, can actually produce more males. To make matters worse, the researchers found that the effect of agricultural activities on sex ratio was exacerbated by the presence of mercury pollution. Well, thank goodness we don't have... oh. While it's known that mercury can impact reproduction in reptiles, this study provides the first documentation that mercury can influence sex determination. When transferred from mother to offspring, mercury was found to increase the number of male offspring even more. A lot of turtles. Going to go to the singles bar now. The findings were recently published in the journal Biological Conservation. It shed no light on predictions about temperature and sex determination in the snapping turtle, Chelidra serpentina, and many other reptilian species. Quote, our work illustrates how routine human activities can have unexpected side effects for wildlife, says the lead researcher. Well, next time, let them be born human. More than a thousand low-lying tropical islands risk becoming uninhabitable by the middle of the century or possibly sooner because of rising sea levels, upending the populations of some island nations and endangering key U.S. military assets, according to new research published this week. The threats to the islands are twofold and long-term rising seas threaten to inundate the islands entirely. More immediately, as seas rise, the islands will more frequently deal with large waves crashing further into the shore, contaminating their drinkable water supplies with ocean salt water. That may happen in the very near future, according to the study published in the journal Science Advances, a study focused on part of the Marshall Islands in the equatorial Pacific. It's a Gary... A very scary scenario for us, says the president of the Marshall Islands. Research also has ramifications for the U.S. military, whose massive Ronald Reagan ballistic missile defense test site sits in part uh, in the part of the Marshall Islands, and it is the focus of the research. The U.S. military uh, supported the research in part to learn about the vulnerability of its tropical island installations. Scary for us, too, then, I guess. News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. This week in uh, the life of (laughs) President Trump was marked by uh, two meetings. 
actually three. Um, one over in Panmunjom, the community on the border between North and South Korea, where the presidents of North Korea and South Korea met, not for the first time. I mean, not the first time those official, the people with those titles, first time these two guys met and um, had some nice photo ops, said some nice things. We'll see. We'll see, department. Meanwhile, in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., <laughs> President Trump met with um, Angela Merkel, Chancellor of Germany, uh, on Friday, a meeting that was uh, reportedly a bit frosty, a bit testy, a bit um, glacial, certainly in marked contrast to the meetings on Monday and Tuesday of the week with French President Emmanuel Macron, meetings that were uh, marked by a lot of touchy, literally touchy-feely moments, particularly hand clasps, hugs, and a moment when <laughs> President Trump leaned over and uh, picked a, 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 something off of uh, Emmanuel Macron's lapel and uh, announced to the world that it was dandruff. The meetings were described by uh, many reports as a bromance. A strange bromance, my friend. Donald, I feel like I've been Mitch McConnell. You've touched me in every place a man can touch another I can't help feeling like your younger brother A strange bromance with cheek Kisses like two Misters with no Misses, we were strangers from two not-so-distant lands Then I held your quite normal hands This is a strange bromance You're telling me But you know, really, a great bromance, my friend Emmanuel, after this terrific week we should make your visits annual we're as close together as a pair of tissues even though we disagree on some minor issues a great bromance all the papers love it though they're fake news and they can shove it I have such great respect for your Gallic stance I even liked your pants This is a great bromance A strange bromance But we must, we must hang tough I even made sure you were free of dandruff I heard you say you enjoyed my Twitter rants. Oh, you have to come back to France. Just say the word. This, this is, is a great, strange, great romance.
cares for me. I'm happy as I can be. I learned to love and to live. The devil may care. No blues or woes. Whatever comes, later goes. That's how I take and I give. Devil may care. When the day is through, I suffer no regrets. I know that he who frets loses the night. For only a fool dreams he can hold back the dawn. He who is wise never tries to revise what's past and gone. Live love today, let come tomorrow what may. Don't even stop for a sigh. It doesn't help when you cry. That's why I live and I'll die. Definitely care. Through, I suffer no regrets. I know that she who frets loses the night. For only a fool dreams she can hold back the dawn. She who is wise never tries to revise what's past and gone. Gone, 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 gone. Live love today, let come tomorrow. What may don't even stop for a sigh. It doesn't help when you cry. That's why I live and I die. Devil may care, 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 devil may care. Do ba 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 Ladies and gentlemen, researchers at Princeton have taken a small step toward defending consumer-level Internet of Things users from snooping with what they call the Internet of Things Inspector Project. It's currently at the data-gathering stage with the aim of launching a tool for users to get some idea of what their devices are doing. This idea arose out of various projects in Princeton. For example, their test of health monitors for data leaks according to the register. In that project, the group captured traffic from four medical devices and are worried that finding 
clear text transmissions in such a small sample bodes ill for the broader medical device market. Clear text means it's just printed like right out there without encryption or any other kind of sneaky thing. The four devices were the Withings Wireless Blood Pressure Monitor, the Withings Body Composition Wi-Fi Scale, the one-by-one Digital Smart Wireless Body Fad Scale, and the iHealth Ease Wireless Blood Pressure Monitor. The blood pressure device leaks its own identity in URLs. Any request from the device to its server and any response included its brand. This is sufficient to tell an attacker that someone is using the monitor and how often they're taking their blood pressure. Who would want to know that? Even limited data leaks from health devices could easily result in a breach of America's Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act since any electronic personal health information has to be protected against disclosure. Medical devices aren't the only IoT concern. They also looked at net-connected toys and found that none used HTTPS or SSL to security protocols when communicating with manufacturer servers. One toy locked lacked authentication for user profile pictures. An eavesdropper could record or replay device communications to obtain profile pictures of your kids. Many home devices, smart TV, security cameras, smoke detectors, and smart light bulbs communicate widely with third-party servers. In the first minute after its first connection, the Samsung, Samsung TV communicated with Google Play, DoubleClick, Netflix, Fandango Now, Spotify, CBS, MSNBC, NFL, Deezer, and Facebook without alerting the user. That is so smart. For three years, International Standards Organization has been wrangling over which cryptographic cryptographic algorithms will be incorporated into a standard for interoperability. I'll get it yet. In the Internet of Things gadgets. At issue has been that uh, two protocols devised by the NSA would be the standard cipher algorithms in these devices. The NSA has a history, according to boingboing.net, of sabotaging cryptographic standards. Edward Snowden's documents show that the NSA had sabotaged security standards. And uh, the NSA once classed classified working cryptography as a munition and denied civilians access to it until a lawsuit Now the NSA has been defeated at the uh, Standards Committee with their chosen ciphers firmly rejected by committee members because they don't trust the NSA. Nutty, right? It's like not trusting James Clapper. Researchers at a uh, security firm called Checkmarks have uh, created a rogue Alexa skill. Skills in Alexa are like apps that bypasses Amazon security checks. It lurks silently and unkillably in the background of your Alexa, listening to all speech and range of it, transcribing it, then sending out the text and audio of your speech to the attacker. This is the second such flaw known to have been discovered in the Alexa platform. It's not known how many more such defects remain or will be introduced in future versions. Nothing dumber than a smart house. And now, ladies and gentlemen... The Apologies of the Week. Here's MSNBC Saturday morning, or actually weekend morning host, Joy Reid, commenting on the fact that uh, some blog posts of hers from way back in 2006 or 2007 
were um, highly objectionable on the grounds of um, anti-gay prejudice. A community that I support and that I deeply care about is hurting because of some despicable and truly offensive posts being attributed to me. Now, many of you have seen these blog posts circulating online and in social media. Many of them are homophobic, discriminatory, and outright weird and hateful. When a friend found them in December and sent them to me, I was stunned. Frankly, I couldn't imagine where they'd come from or whose voice that was. I hired cybersecurity experts to see if somebody had manipulated my words or my former blog. And the reality is they have not been able to prove it. But here's what I know. I genuinely do not believe I wrote those hateful things because they are completely alien to me. But I can definitely understand, based on things I have tweeted and have written in the past, why some people don't believe me. I've not been exempt from being dumb or cruel or hurtful to the very people I want to advocate for. I own that. I get it. And for that, I am truly, truly sorry. That's called burying the lead, babe. Former Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen has apologized for a series of offensive tweets he sent while in high school. See? Joy? People do look back. He apologized for the now-deleted tweets to ESPN hours before the NFL draft. At Yahoo Sports reported Allen sent the tweets in 2012 and 2013, and they contained racially insensitive language and offensive statements. He told ESPN he was parroting rap lyrics. Oh, well, that gets you off the hook. And catchphrases from TV and pop culture, adding he was young and dumb at the time, unlike pop culture. In response to allegations that he directed a racial slur at a group of black patrons, at the location of his popcorn chain store, Cornology, company CEO Mark Stone says he's deeply sorry for what I did. Witnesses to the incident alleged that a lone employee working at the uh, Emeryville shop hurled racist remarks at a group of about 10 young black customers demanding they leave the store. Mark Stone alleged they had been stealing, said the actions were those of an employee. He regrets it terribly. Apparently the CEO, though, was speaking of himself in the third person because a city official identified Stone as the worker in question. I am deeply sorry for what I did in the heat of a very tense moment during a robbery, Stone wrote. I reacted improperly during a very tense moment. Witnesses to the event questioned Stone's allegation that the visitors engaged in theft. He chased a group of young black kids out of Cornology yelling, don't come back here, N-words, said one purported witness. She and another witness denied that the young man in question stole items from the store, but merely knocked over items in response to Stone's actions. A Scottish man who was convicted of a hate crime for teaching his girlfriend's dog to do the Nazi salute was fined $1,100 in Scotland on Monday. Mark Meacham was convicted last month for posting a grossly offensive video to YouTube. He taught the pug named Buddha to respond with a Nazi salute when prompted by Heil Hitler and gassed the Jews. He said on the video he trained the dog to annoy his girlfriend. Kind of humor by amateurs. My girlfriend is always ranting and raving about how cute and adorable her dog is, so I thought it would turn him into the least cute thing I could think of. I am so sorry to the Jewish community for any offense I have caused them. This was never my intention, he wrote. And I apologize. Officials with Special Olympics Washington are apologizing after hundreds of athletes were disqualified from races for performing too well. They began enforcing a new rule of competitions over the weekend. If an athlete records a time more than 15% faster than their qualifying time, they're disqualified. 
Dayline Lubbock, Texas, a photo of four past presidents and three first ladies at former First Lady Barbara Bush's funeral went viral. After it went viral, the Lubbock County Democratic Party headquarters posted the photo missing one person. It had been cropped to show everyone but Melania Trump. It was an honest mistake, said Democratic Party headquarters. The caption now reads, I apologize for posting an incomplete picture. I didn't realize anyone was missing until it was pointed out. Thank you for your concern. Shania Twain has issued an apology via a series of tweets for comments she made in an interview with The Guardian. She said she would have voted for Donald Trump, although she was born in Canada, so she couldn't have, and got a heavy backlash from her fans online. In the first of four tweets last Sunday, she said she was caught off guard by the question and apologized to anybody I've offended. Please buy my new record, she added. No, she... Well... A golf club in Pennsylvania has apologized for calling police on a group of black women after the co-owner and his father said they were playing too slowly and refused requests to leave the course. I felt we were discriminated against, one of the women told the York Daily Record. It was a horrific experience. Golfing while black. A historic North Carolina women's college has apologized for once having owned slaves. Oh, now slavery was wrong. This political correctness run rampant. The Winston-Salem Journal Reports a research report released Thursday shows Salem Academy, a Moravian institution, owned slaves who worked on campus as housekeepers, among other roles. The school also leased slaves. It's a good business plan. Martin Klein, president of the Zionist Organization of America, apologized for a tweet in which he suggested that Natalie Portman's criticism of Israel, quote, gives credibility and legitimacy to the ludicrous, false, nonsensical belief that beautiful women aren't too bright. The Montgomery, Alabama Advertiser's editorial board says they take responsibility for their proliferation of a false narrative regarding the treatment of African Americans in the days of slavery. Recognizing its own shameful place in the history of these dastardly murderous deeds, the advertiser was careless in how it covered mob violence and the terror foisted upon African Americans from Reconstruction through the 1950s. Britain's Interior Minister Amber Rudd apologized for not being aware of the use of deportation targets in her department, vowing to implement fair and humane immigration policy. This is part of a dispute over the treatment of people who came from the West Indies, basically the Caribbean, in the 1950s to uh, settle in Great Britain, apparently legally, although the government has lost their landing cards and now threatens to deport them because they don't have their papers. Subaru said in a report to the Japanese government that mileage and emissions data for 903 new cars were systematically rigged at one of its plants. The malpractice may have started around 2002. It denied it had quality control problems, claiming the vehicles in question satisfied regulatory standards. But uh, I apologize from the bottom of my heart for causing so much concern and trouble, said President Yasuyuki Yoshinaga. This is a serious compliance issue. I deeply regret what happened. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of The Show. It returns next week on the audio device of your choice at the time of your choosing. And it'll be just like Tom Broker apologizing if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show. Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile in Hawaii. This. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts in time for Memorial Day, all at harryshearer.com. Me, I'm on the Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. And um, just a word to the wise, lukewarm water live, Derek Small's solo concert tour with symphony orchestras resumes in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in mid-June. Tickets now on sale, and also later that month in Pittsburgh and Atlanta. Turn it up. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.